0: Imagine being so connected and intertwined with your greatest enemy that both of your lives are dictated by the actions, and in this case, population, of the other. Just like how the only reason why amazing conservation efforts today exist is because we humans fucked up the ecosystem. Hi, I'm Deidre, and you're listening to Weird Animal Facts Explicit, a show dedicated to the weird, odd, unusual, gross, and oftentimes disturbing facts about animals. And today starts our four-week journey into some winter-themed animals. Even though winter is still about a month away, it can still feel like winter for many people of the world. So grab yourself your snuggliest blanket and a warm cup of tea as we dive into some weird winter animal facts. Today's weird facts are about death and also life. The death and life of the snowshoe hare and Canada lynx. Think of it like... The Batman to the Joker, Democrat to Republican, or even the ying to the yang. Can't have one without the other. But how can that be? Well, it's actually just a simple math explanation. Or more so counting, I guess. Canada Lynx snowshoe hair. So if there's more snowshoe hair, then that means there's more resources and more energy for Lynx to have more babies. But if there's less hair, then there's less food, so less Lynx. And if there's more Lynx, then there will be less hair, for obvious dietary reasons. And if there's less Lynx, then there'll be more hair, for obvious sexual opportunity reasons. Get it? Ying and yang. Alright, well, I guess... <laughs> I guess, uh, I didn't really need to make an entire episode on the relationship between the snowshoe hair and candle Lynx, if it was going to be that easy to explain. But since you're already here and committed, let's make like a Lynx murdering a snowshoe hair and swipe on! Into this episode, that way it will also leave me room for to have mistakes, as the lynx's hunting success rate would be considered an F in any university. As the name suggests, the Canada lynx lives in Canada, and so does the snowshoe hare. In case that wasn't obvious, and they share pretty much the exact same range, which is crazy, because most predators aren't so specific in their diet. Fun fact. Some Lynx have been found that snowshoe hare makes up to 96% of their diet. The snowshoe hare must taste more delicious than bacon-wrapped chicken shoved in the ass of a turkey garnished with ground beef. As it's safe to say that the Candle Lynx's favorite food is snowshoe hare. Not to say they don't venture out of their diet and have themselves a cheap day and gobble down a squirrel here and there, but my guess is a hare is going to taste better than a squirrel because you are what you eat, and... Squirrel is said to taste a bit nutty, where hare is said to taste like chicken. Disclaimer! Hares do not eat chicken. Then why do they taste like chicken? Well, that's because both hares and chickens are herbivores and eat similar things. End of disclaimer! Plus, I think there's a greater payoff for eating that bigger hare versus that scrawny-ass squirrel. Fun fact, rabbit and hare is said to be richer in omega-3 than chicken or pork. And omega-3 is the good type of fat. But since squirrels use omega-3 fat to help keep warm during winter slash hibernation, they too probably have a better omega-3 count than our food. So maybe we should start eating hares and squirrels. Um, but I have a question. So, uh, then why does the lynx mainly eat the hare? If there's so much other food around, what's so great about the hair? They all have omega-3, so why does that matter? Alright, so before we answer that, I should point out that there are differences between hares and rabbits. And pikas. So technically speaking, a bunny is a term for a baby rabbit. Where a baby hare is called a <laughs> leveret term. Leverets. Leverets? Leveret. leveret. Why does she sound so sexual? <laughs> Where a baby hare is called a leveret. Not a very cute sounding word if you ask me, nor memorable. To learn more about domestic rabbits, check out episode 19. Basically, rabbits and hares and pikas are lagomorphs, not rodents. But the difference between a rabbit and a hare are great. As in, there's a lot of them. Hares tend to be larger with larger legs and longer ears. Also, hares, in my opinion, are designed better for survival, which might be why we have domesticated rabbits and not hares, or why the two have minor different characteristics. Maybe it's our fault. Hares, in addition to their larger ears, for better listening for approaching predators, and longer legs, for better running away from approaching predators, are even better designed to avoid predators than rabbits. From the beginning of life, a hare is ready to survive. Or at least run away terrified with confidence because if a baby rabbit was to get eaten as a newborn, then they want to know what was happening as they are blind and naked. As for the hares of the world, they're ready to go. Just think hares are covered in hair. Yeah, they come out fluffy and eyes open so they know that they're about to die. But where a tiny, naked rabbit would be safe inside a burrow, a hare lives on the edge. And nests above ground. Meaning, instead of being the chicken shit scaredy cat of a rabbit who hides like a pussy in the safety of the underground burrow, a hare is designed to run. And it's a good thing too, because if the snowshoe hare didn't run, well well let's just say the lynxes of the world would be a bit chunkier. Or the hares would be extinct. And then so would the lynx, because they they're like yin and yang. Batman and the Joker. Can't have one without the other. But why doesn't the snowshoe hare just go into a burrow? Why nest above ground when there are prey animals everywhere? Anyone can eat them! Well, most burrowing animals that live in regions where it can snow quite a bit also hibernate. Think about groundhogs or those other animals that do the light version of hibernation. Like, they're not true hibernators. Like, the groundhog, they are a true hibernator because they are completely clonked out for the winter. But animals like squirrels, chipmunks, and skunks who all partially hibernate in burrows and dens, they aren't true hibernators, but they're still kind of doing the hibernation thing underneath the ground in burrows slash dens. Because of all the snow, it could make it hard or a bit more inconvenient for the snowshoe hare to have to dig through any freshly fallen snow just to escape the burrow. After all, the snowshoe hare does not hibernate, nor do they do that semi-hibernation. Because of this, the hare will simply nest in thickets or... Other somewhat protected areas above the ground. Not in a burrow. Like, think about you. Every time it snows, you got to shovel out your driveway. It's annoying, right? Just don't have a driveway. That's what the snowshoe hare is doing. No driveway. So now let's go back to that original question. Why does the candelinks mainly eat snowshoe hare? Well, it's because they're there. All the other available animals are sleeping. The hare is there above the snow and ground, not hibernating. Um, excuse me, hi, I feel a bit embarrassed asking this after you've already stay, uh, started, but, um, what, what is a lynx? Um, it's a cat, but not, not a big cat, as it doesn't roar, nor should you get one as a pet. That'd be very stupid. A lynx is in the Felidae family. Kingdom, phylum, class, order. Family genus species. And all four species of the world's lynx are in the genus lynx. The four species are the Canada lynx, from Canada, the Eurasian lynx, who has a more spotted coat and ranges from Eastern Europe to Siberia, the very endangered Iberian lynx, who are at a very high risk of extinction due to the decline in their rabbit prey. And a very cute, by the way, they even have like a baby mane of fur that can be seen on their chin line. Super cute. But they're not like a lion. They're lynxes. Oh, and the final lynx species is the bobcat. Scientific names are hard. It is now time for a rapid fire round of scientific names are hard. This is when my roommate Emily writes down the scientific names of the four lynxes we have just discussed and I attempt to speak Latin. Oh, by the way, just for fun, not only are we doing the four species of lynx, we're also doing the snowshoe hare. Yeah. And because it's a rapid fire round, this time I will not sound them out and read them out loud as uh, my eyes translates the letters to my brain, so it's gonna be instant and fast. All right, let's get started. It's time for the Canada Lynx. Lynx canadinus. Next, we have the Eurasian Lynx. Lynx lynx, ooh, super easy. Next, we have Iberian lynx. Lynx pardinus. Next, we have bobcat. Lynx rufus. Then we have snowshoe hare. Lupus americanus. Dun, dun, dun. That was a rapid fire round of scientific names are hard. Many people get the Canada Lynx and bobcat confused, mainly because they're both found in North America. But even though they are in the same family and genus, the bobcat is the most unlinked looking of all the lynx. The bobcat to the lynx is like the rabbit to the hare. The bobcat is smaller, with shorter legs and shorter ears. And our lynx star of the day also was a bit extra, as they've got cute little black tufts extending from either one of their ears. Bobcats do not have this. One of the main characteristics of the lynx family is that short stubby tail. And unlike all the rottweilers, boxers, and pinchers of the world, the lynx family is supposed to have the short tail and didn't get it docked off because someone thought it would look better. The reason behind the lynx having a shorter tail isn't exactly known. One guess is thought it's to lower their weight. But if your dog is overweight, do not go out and cut off their tail as it's connected to their spine dick. For the lynx, since they are designed to walk on snow, the heavier they were, the more they would sink into the snow. And I don't know if you've ever walked on snow without snowshoes before, but you sink and it sucks. Another thought is because they are ground cats, meaning they don't do as much climbing as the other cats of the world. They exchange their long tail in for a pair of thunder thighs. They have strong and long leg muscles is what thunder thighs are. Thunder thighs. But whatever the reason, it's natural for a lynx species to have a short tail, but not necessarily your dog. Fun fact, if you have a French bulldog, Boston terrier, Welsh Corgi, don't beat yourself up for your dog not having a long tail because we douchebag humans designed those dogs to not have that long wagger. Meaning no one took a butcher's knife and cut it off literally. The butchery took place in the genetics over a long period of time. Even though both the candlelinks and snowshoe hare depend on the other for survival, they are still enemies. The lynx running for the next meal and so that they don't starve to death, and the hare racing for their literal life. They are at war with one another, each trying to outrun the other, and Many of their adaptations to survive with the other, and to survive the hard winters of Canadian wilderness, they share with one another. We have already mentioned both the long legs of both the hair and the lings, as well as the larger ears. But what about the feet? What about the feet? It's important to know that Canada isn't always covered in snow. But being further north than other regions does mean that they tend to get more snow than some other regions. And that their snow sticks around just a bit longer. Because of that, these two rivals need to not only be able to outmaneuver each other, but they also need to be able to outmaneuver each other in deep, thick, fluffy snow. Snow, snow, snow. And snow, walking around in snow, it's it's no easy business. Years ago, I went winter camping in Maine, which could be pretty much considered Canada, and it was miserable. I mean, I like the snow, and I love the outdoors, but I'm a human who was not designed to do well in snow. My main issue were my feet. Having been an athlete my entire life, somehow my legs bowed out like a duck who just got off of a cattle drive. And since I'm a human, and even though I do have larger feet than the average woman, there were nowhere near large enough to keep me afloat on top of the marshmallow clouds of the mountains. And the snowshoes actually only made it worse for me as they forced me to walk against my cowboy stance and uh, point my toes parallel. And if I didn't, then the tails of the snowshoe would hit together and I would just fall in the snow. Basically, all I'm trying to prove is that humans, especially this human, is not built to be walking on snow. Even in snowshoes. But the snowshoe hair? Oh yeah. Wait, wait a minute. Is that why they're called a snowshoe hare? Cause they got those feet like snowshoes? Uh, yeah. And they don't walk like Clint Eastwood as their big feet are perfect for the snow. Most of us are already aware that both hares and rabbits have large feet, but those are also used to help them hop around. Hop, hop, hop around. Hop, hop, hop around. Even like kangaroos have large feet for the same reason, but. Where the naked foot of the kangaroo are ideal for the dry Australian landscape, the snowshoe hares, they need to keep warm. Fur. They've got lots of it all over their body, including their feet. Helping to keep their toes warm and helping to add traction as they hop across the snow, their large hind legs are perfectly built for the winter. And guess who else has exceptionally large feet? The Canada Lynx. The Canada Lynx's feet are so large that they can support twice the weight compared with bobcats at the same snow density. But there is one area where the snowshoe hare might have an advantage over a lynx friend. The snowshoe hare's coat can change color. Just like the arctic fox we talked about in episode 11, the snowshoe hare's coat will change color from a traditional brown, ordinary-looking coat to a white one, allowing the hair to be even better camouflaged and out of sight from those starving lynx. That is, if there happens to be white snow on the ground. Because even though the snowshoe's hair's fur changes white in the wintertime, it doesn't change based on whether or not there is snow on the ground or not. The color change is based on the photo period, meaning once the days start getting shorter, their body naturally knows it's time to start turning white. And just to put a damper on things, but why not? Let's go ahead and do it. I'd like to remind you about global warming. You know, the human caused gradual increase of the Earth's overall temperature that is now melting the ice caps, murdering polar bears, and delaying snowfall for ski resorts all across the world. <laughs> oh, yeah, that global warming. <laughs> Oh, and also, the global warming is making snowfall much later, so not only is it screwing over the snow- ski resorts, but it's also screwing over the hares, because, well, ha, <laughs> ha, Oh, their photo period. It's, it doesn't match with the snowfall anymore, which means snowshoe hares are turning white when there's no white on the ground. Ha, <laughs> ha, good <old> global warming. Ha, <laughs> ha. Oh, and hey, uh, you remember how the candlelinks who just happened to be a threatened species not that long ago, um, the candlelinks population depends on the population of the snowshoe hare. Well, let's just say, just for fun, you know, that each year, Canada's first snowfall of the year doesn't fall until later and later year after year. And let's just say that the snowshoe hare's natural body changes their summer morph into their winter morph as soon as the days start becoming short, meaning that we will have a lot of bright easy to see white rabbits hopping along the drab brown ground of the Canadian forest floor. If the snowshoe hare aren't able to adapt and then evolve to have their fur morph into white later on, then they risk being easily spotted by the lynx and therefore easily captured and eaten. And sure, the lynx will love having all that easily accessible food until there are less and less snowshoe hare. And when there's less snowshoe hare, well, then there will soon be less candelinks. This could put a huge dent into both populations of the candelinks and snowshoe hare. That could be very hard to recover from. Screw you, global warming! The Iberian lynx, who was only found in two small areas of southern Spain, is the most endangered cat in the entire world. And the main reason is due to the decline in their food. Rabbit. And no, their rabbit food isn't disappearing due to the photoperiod and color morphs, it's actually disappearing from diseases. But as you can see, just like how the population of the Canada lynx is dependent on the population of the snowshoe hare, the population of the Iberian lynx is dependent on the population of their rabbit food. And in addition to the Iberian lynx's food source disappearing from disease, the rabbits are also disappearing from habitat loss. Which seems to be an occurring trend for endangered species. I don't know if you picked up on this, but when animals start dying, it's usually because their habitat is disappearing. Huh. Maybe we humans need to get our shit together and stop the murdering and deaths of innocent animals around the world because most of the time, it's our fault. Humans are dicks. Humans are dicks. Humans are dick, 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 dicks. We're dicks. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, I love cats and rabbits too, I suppose, but what can I do to stop being a dick and help save these wonderful, elusive cats? (laughs) I'm easy, just give the cats money. Pour some money on me. But instead of running like a naked gypsy through a field of wildflowers, tossing your money at these cats like a stripper... You can simply go to Conservation Northwest and click on the donation button. That way, you can be sure your money is going to help protect these amazing animals and their home. And if you'd like to help out all the cats of the world, go donate to feel day Conservation Fund. And by the way, both of these links can be found in the episode description. And keep in mind that just because you don't hand your hard-earned money directly over to the scientists who are studying these animals doesn't mean you aren't helping to protect them. Just like how the candlelings depends on the snowshoe hare for survival, the wildlife of the world depends on their habitat for survival. Meaning, if you help protect their home, you help protect them. And if you are as poor as me, then maybe you should go tell your rich family members and friends about this remarkable relationship that the candlelings and snowshoe hare share. And then they can give away their money. Or, or, ooh, this one's even better, especially if you're not that rich. Instead of buying your baby nephew a pair of pants he's just going to outgrow in a month, consider adopting an animal from your local zoo or aquarium. Now, most animal adoptions don't come with the actual animal because that'd be stupid. They're not going to send a narwhal home with you, okay? That's silly. Most animal adoptions come with a stuffed animal look-alike that you can then give to your nephew. And that money you donate to the zoos and aquariums for that adoption goes into helping to save the species and their habitat. So there's a lot of saving the animal-themed gifts that you can do this holiday season. And if you'd like more ideas, then stick around for the rest of our winter-themed episodes. Follow this podcast on social media. And, um, well, I just realized this is a horrible conclusion I'm doing, but it's not that bad because I'm leaving you a good, a good message. Instead of giving your dad a tie, give him an adopted otter from the zoo. Or even better, maybe a sloth or, or a snake. Reptiles are overlooked and underrated. Or, or just give him a zoo membership or just take him to the zoo or aquarium. You can do all these things and you can save the world just by, just by visiting a local zoo or a national park. Somewhere where the money... Please stay on the line. We are currently having technical difficulties with our host and her brain. This show is important to us and that you stay on the line until the completion of the episode, which will return momentarily. Thank you so much for your patience. I'm going to stop talking because I'm just realizing this is just going in circles. And if I keep saying all the ways you can help save the planet now through gifts, I won't be able to have other ideas for future episodes. Say weird. (laughs) That was horrible.